Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. My name is James Shepard, and I'd like to welcome you to the Merchant Sales Podcast. We have, as usual, a information-packed episode for you today, starting off with an interview I did with Ryan Malloy from North American Bank Card about competing with Square. And North American Bank Card has some really unique technology that they've implemented. We also talk about cash discounting and how that relates to uh, you know a competitive edge over Square. And so really interesting conversation there. We even dive in at the end into kind of recruiting and some advice for team builders. So really good stuff there. In the Insiders Report, Patty talks about interchange fees and how merchants are continuing to fight interchange fees, especially large merchant associations, and how that could potentially impact the merchant sales side of the business. Um, and then finally, in our questions from the field, I talk about what I believe is the trend, uh, the topic, whatever you want to call it, that is going to impact merchant sales residuals and profit the most over the next 12 months, which is this combination of cash discounting and ISV or POS integration. And, uh, and really just talk about what you need to know right now to make sure you're prepared for the next 24 months as these changes take place. So let's dive right into our episode today and talk to Ryan Malloy, North American Bank Card. All right, everybody. I am here today with Ryan Malloy, Senior Vice President of Partner Sales at North American Bank Card. How are you doing today, Ryan? Good, James. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Uh, Ryan and I are going to discuss the keys to competing directly with Square. Um, but before we get into all that nitty gritty detail stuff there, Ryan, I would love to get your story. Obviously, you and I go way back, but you know, I, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard this part of the story. So how did you end up getting into the payments industry? And then, of course, how did you end up at, uh, at NAB? Well, thanks, James. I, I appreciate you taking the time to walk through this with us, too. It is a, uh, it's a new world and exciting time in payments. So sure. let's see, going, going backwards, um, I joined NAB in February of 2008. And I would say it was by chance. I had uh, come from the mortgage industry. I was selling mortgages. Um, I lived on the West Coast and um, decided to move back to Michigan, where I was originally from. Moved home, enjoyed myself for a bit, decided it was time to go back to work and started looking for uh, telemarketing or phone sales jobs. And I came across NAB. Um, I went in, I met a bunch of great people. Um, I joined the team, not knowing anything about merchant services. I don't think when I started, I even realized, you know, the world behind this and what happened to right. to get a business to accept card and what happened when that transaction occurred. Um, so I'd say semi by chance, you know, started knew knew I could operate on the phone okay, knew I enjoyed it. Uh, that was the opportunity that was there. It was close. I started, and that was, you know, a dozen or so years ago. Wow. So that's awesome. So you literally came in with NAB, and you've been with NAB ever since. Yeah, yeah. I started out um, selling direct in the in the telemarketing department, writing merchant accounts. I did that for, oh, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe close to two years and um, wanted to wanted to try something different, wanted to try something new. And we had an opportunity in the, the partner recruiting side, um, recruiting agents and ISOs. And uh, I thought that was interesting. I thought that could be sure. enjoyable. And I, I moved over to that side of the house and just loved it. You know, yeah. there's you know, that's where I met you. That's where I met thousands of partners and to help them, you know, grow their business and see what they do on day in and day out, being out there and, and bringing the business is always something that I've enjoyed. So it's kind of progressed from there. 
out of recruiting agents and ISOs to, you know, leading teams that do the same and supporting some of those partners that we have now. So yeah, love that, it. yeah, that's awesome. And then of course, uh, on my side, it's interesting cause I actually have the other side of the story for, for me as well, because when I got into the industry, uh, I was selling for another, uh, company that will remain, remain nameless, uh, for a little while and, uh, didn't really love it. And so, uh, I ended up finding NAB through you. Uh, I'm not sure how we ended up getting connected, but, um, you know, worked with you for a while, uh, selling and then moved over to the recruiting pretty quickly and, you know, built a team, uh, quite a while back, you know, with you and NAB. So, uh, definitely going way back. And, uh, it's always, always fun to talk to people that you kind of came up in the industry with, you know? Yeah, and your your uh, your story, your success story was pretty. I'd say pretty much towards the beginning of my recruiting career, and you know to watch you gravitate and move over to helping others and growing a team and bringing people over, you know, and building building that network. That that is something that I've tried to pass on to you know probably hundreds, if not thousands, of agents. You know, grow a team, help people, add value, yeah. make their day easier. You know, from what you did and. I, you know, you probably don't know it and it's indirect, but there's a lot of people that have built a lot of portfolios, you know, based on that foundation of what you did. So it's, it's cool to see, kind of see it come 360 with where we are now. Yeah, 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 it really is. So, all right, well, so let's dive in. I think we got such an interesting topic today, especially given the the product mix that NAB has. So, um, you know, let's start off by just kind of getting some general thoughts. Um, you know, why has our industry had such a tough time competing with Square in general, um, and then why do you think Square has gained so much traction, you know, especially the last 24 months, uh, really even through COVID-19 hasn't been horrible for them, definitely not for their stock price. You know, what are your thoughts on Square in general and why they're such a tough competitor? You know, I feel like, I feel like Square's added a ton of value to our industry from the solutions that we provide our agents to provide to merchants. You know, they, they're pushing the envelope there and they are coming out with with new and creative ways to do things that I think is important for all of us to take notice. Uh, I think they've helped us push our products forward. I think they've helped our competitors push our product, their products forward. And to me, that's great for everybody because that means the merchants are getting, you know, more feature rich solutions, more pricing options, but for square to start and kind of back to your question, I mean, it's to have the capital to go out and market and build a brand, you know, and leverage Dorsey and what he had done with Twitter and what people already knew. Right. And, to do that without the profitability pressure, um, you know, that, that agents <laughs> right. have to pay their bills every month and that corporations yeah. have to build businesses. It's, it's an interesting, you know, it's, it's a nice competitive advantage. So they use that and they built a great brand. They built a, a slick solution. They really focused on a segment of the market that had, you know, a desire for, for simple and easy solutions to use. And, eventually they started to monetize that, right? And they added other solutions. So I think, I think their ability to spend and market and not, you know, be held to that, that profit, that profitability standard that others are is really what, what gave them that competitive advantage in the beginning. And, you know, their product has evolved, their pricing has evolved, even, even coming out of COVID, this is, this is the best opportunity I think we've had to go into those merchants and show them more value. So we're, we're excited about where the market is. We're excited about yep. where, you know, pay anywhere in our edge cash discount solution, compete against Square. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. We've got some same day funding solutions coming out very, very soon that we think will also help in that space. So sure. they uh, they do a good job. They push all of us to do a better job. And I think it's creating a lot of opportunity for everyone right now. 
Sure. You know, that, that, that's really interesting, too, you know, Ryan, because I know I often when I go to stores and I see, you know, small merchants, mom and pops with Square, I'm like, you know, why do you do that? You know, and they're like, it's simple, simplicity. I would just want something that's simple and yet to be able to serve my customers, right? And I mean, one of the things that struck me, at least early on, was the uh, simplicity of the onboarding process, right? That was like their big, their big deal. Can you talk talk to you about the importance of a merchant onboarding process? And you know, I think that's my understanding is it's something that you've all been working to simplify as well, correct? Yeah, for sure. And I think um, you know that when you look at the choice that a merchant has today usually if they're going out and they're looking for support with payments, especially if they're new, they've got a, they've got a demand that they're trying to meet right then and there. And like mm-hmm. you said, they're looking for simple because SMBs are doing a million things. You know, right. they're not, they don't have six people on the accounting staff and two people on the technology staff. They're, they're wearing all these hats, right? Mm-hmm. So if they've got a payment need now, they want to move through that quickly. And I think that that is something that we've worked hard on. Um, you know, when, we talked about James and I earlier, we talked about, you know, where things kind of started for us. When I started in our inside sales team, I was faxing out applications for merchants to provide wet signatures on and send back and go through an underwriting process and be mm-hmm. looked at by a human. And, and, you know, two days later, having a device deployed, that just right. doesn't work anymore. Right. You know, so where we are now, uh, you know, we focus on trying to automate as much of that approval process as we can and getting all of that acceptance electronic. So it is close to real time as it can possibly be. And with these, with these pay anywhere smart solutions, you know, they could be a mobile reader just like square or the different line of terminals and POSs that we have to support different size merchants. It literally is real time. You know, we've got, we've got sales reps that are um, door to door that are going in on a first call close and leaving with a merchant activated on our solution. And I won't take a ton of time, but literally they take a tablet out, they grab a couple pieces of information from the merchant that pushes an email to the merchant where they validate via two factor. We self populate their business information based on a couple fields that they gave us. That information has been checked by them and the, them and the merchant, the merchant and the partner. It's submitted through our system and in real time, it's running through our automated approval engine and assuming that you know, the information checks out and matches, the ticket parameters are within range for that MCC code, you know, it's not a prohibited merchant type or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. That agent and that merchant are getting real-time uh, approval emails back while the, mer- while the agent is still there and working with the merchant. Uh-huh. Then a lot of our partners carry these pay anywhere devices with them. And since they don't require a download, they're all smart terminals, right? They're all Android-based right. devices. They use the login credentials that are provided in that welcome email that came out and they've got the device plugged in and they've got the merchant up and running before they ever even leave. Right. So what used to be two days for the merchant to maybe think or shop or ask other questions that could delay the process or another opportunity that the, that the sales partner has to go back versus moving on to another new account and selling a new account. Mm -hmm. All that time is freed up. Right. So the partners that have embraced that um, love it. You know, they, they like being able to say, yeah, just like Square, I'll get you signed up right now. Even those that don't carry the equipment, well, they can use the virtual terminal until it gets there. They don't want to carry the equipment, right? right? There's a lot of different options. But we find that that's got to get faster and faster. Merchants mm-hmm. have that opportunity other places. Right. And a lot of what we're selling, yeah, a lot of what we're selling is the support that our partners and that we give. 
And by tacking that on to that instant enrollment, they're competing with Square. They're in the exact same place, and, and everybody wins. So it's been working out for us so far. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious, Ryan. So, I mean, that what you just described, I think a lot of our listeners are probably like blown away. Like, you know, you say that like, oh, yeah, we have this thing where, you know, you walk in, you, you know, talk to the merchant, you sign them up, you install the terminal and then you leave. Um, and, you know, a lot of ISOs are like, seriously. Um, so I'm just curious, are there other things like that? Because I know that there's a lot of, um, you know, ISOs I talk to that really do struggle to compete with Square head to head. And I'm wondering... Are there are there any other things that you're thinking of that maybe NAB does at a high level or things that other ISOs maybe struggle to do to really compete with Square that you feel like are important in order to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think I think price is an important one, right? While we go sure. to feature and we go to functionality, at the end of the day, SMB's got to keep as much revenue as they possibly can, right? right? And they've got to find a way to make their margins work. So. I think that's where the edge program, our cash discount program comes into play. You know, none of our sales partners or us want to write accounts to lose money, right? right? That just like it doesn't work for the merchants business. It doesn't work for us either. Right. And I think that's where, where the edge cash discount program really gives a competitive advantage to our partners for those small ticket merchants that have seen their pricing go up lately with square, right? right. They, they took advantage of where that pricing was for a really long time. And now adjustments have been made to that model to move them into a more profitable space. And we've got a way to, to get them back to not only, you know, that lower cost they were paying, but retain even more of the margin when they're selling and increase their earnings even more with cash discount. So now you're going back to that merchant and saying, okay, yeah, that's what you were paying. Here's what you're paying now. Here's what you can pay with us. And here's how you run a true cash discount or a true two price model like we do with edge to offset those expenses and retain just as much on credit card transactions as you do on cash transactions, right? You tack that with having the instant enrollment. You tack that with having true customer service and tech support when they want to talk to someone. You add that on to, you know, having the mobile reader for for somebody that's not very active or extremely mobile all the way up to the the POS plus that we have now, you know, which is is a full-blown light retail POS. And to do all that together, and have a sales partner be able to run it through one product line and understand it and position it to them in real time has, has been really valuable. So the hardware line, the features that the software has, uh, the pricing for, for edge and for cash discount, instant enrollment. And then, like I said, we, we see same day funding, which is coming soon as just opening up another avenue to get these guys funded faster and to help businesses kind of recover post COVID. So sure. that's, that's kind of the package that we're seeing. We think that's how you compete. So, you know, one of the other things you just mentioned there was the POS. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, obviously Square started out with very, very basic technology. Um, they've really expanded it uh, with acquisition and with, you know, development and things like that. Um, what do you feel are the keys to competing with Square? If we dig in a little bit more of the detail on the technology side, you know, what do we need to be offering merchants in 2020 in order to actually go into a merchant that maybe already has Square and we want to steal them away from Square, but they're using the Square register or something like that? What do you think is, is necessary to really compete from a technology perspective today? So, so flexibility, I think, is what's most important. You know, you have you have merchants that start in one solution and three months later, they're into another and six more months later, they're into another or COVID happens that nobody expected and they right. need other things. Right? right. So, you know, can they push an invoice to a customer that they're not seeing? Can they do curbside checkout 
you know, can they take payment uh, if they're doing delivery and someone's comfortable with that? Do they have the countertop service? Do they need to do line busting, right? All that stuff works together. And I think the merchants want one solution and one solution that they can grow with. So, you know, we've got merchants that start in a two-in-one reader or a three-in-one reader, and they move up to the, the smart terminal, right? Right. And from there, they decide, oh, you know what? I want a customer-facing screen. I want the ability for, you know, them to get an SMS receipt or a text receipt and not print so often and not have to go back and forth with touching the card and the screens. Okay, great. Move into the smart flex, right? Right. Now they say, well, I need a full-blown POS. I need a cash register. I need something more substantial, uh, you know, that's going to handle all of that inventory, but still report out to one of those other devices that I mentioned. You know, we've got a mini that's coming out real soon that is basically like the PAX A920, which is our smart terminal, but it has no printer. So if you're mobile, sure. if you're just line busting, if you're if you're going from location to location, that full suite of hardware works, right? And the app works the same across them. So it's easier to train their employees. The reporting all pushes together from the different devices and the different users. Those all run cash discount. Those will all have same day funding as an option, right? All of that stuff is there so that the merchant can have one home and one place to manage. But they know as their business grows or their business changes, you know, that they've got other options. So I think that's where our partners are seeing success. It's sure. I've got you covered today, but I've also got you covered tomorrow. Hmm. Right. Do, do you think that there's like a unique advantage that our industry has in terms of the merchant sales side where we have this direct sales channel? Because one of the things I've noticed with merchants that have Square already is even though Square's technology is becoming pretty good. I mean, you know, you can you can get some good tech, technology with them, POS solutions, et cetera. But um, I notice a lot of merchants just really don't know how to use it and they don't really understand how to get the value from it. And I, what I hear you saying is, you know, payments is getting more complicated in terms of technology, in terms of integration, in terms of which hardware do I need and how do I integrate it together? Do you think that maybe the merchant sales channel does have a little advantage there just in the fact of, hey, we're able to actually put these custom solutions together for you because we have real people versus Square's image as kind of the automated, you know, mega processor that, you know, is very, it doesn't have that human touch. Like, do you see that at all? Yeah, I do. And I think, I think that advantage in, you know, the, in my opinion, the sales partner, that's the biggest competitive advantage we at NEB specifically have sure. over any of our competitors, Square, anyone else, right? Right. Technology is only good if people know how to use it. And it scares the heck out of a lot of people. They don't want to change. They don't want to try something new or they don't realize that what they need and what they're looking for is actually there with a few more clicks, right? Or a couple exactly. more buttons pushed here of being in the right solution. I, you know, a lot of companies have moved their distribution, um, focusing through third-party ISVs, focusing on direct sales. You know, those, those have been a lot of areas people have gone because the agent channel, it's expensive, right? Yes. Everyone knows that. There's, yes. There's a lot of revenue that goes out the door in the deals. There's a lot of support costs, but we've never seen a more valuable channel. We've never seen another way to solicit business that can go out and connect with merchants and have loyalty from merchants that are going to stay with them, that are going to try new things, that are the boots on the ground to really train them how to use those things, right? And and Square doesn't have that. And a lot of our competitors don't have it. And you know, we invest millions in not only the merchant tools, but the partner tools every month. You know, all this stuff right. that we're talking about, we brand all of it now, you know, without even registering, we've got options for people to go through a branding process so that our sales partners can build a portfolio that has future value, but they can also build a business and they can also build a brand. So that's a long way of me saying that, 
that I totally agree with you. You know, all this, yeah. all this technology, all these new solutions, they're great, but if merchants can't use them or they don't know how to use them, um, you can teach some stuff over the phone, uh, but they're busy too, right? So it's right. hard to get that attention. There's, there's nothing to me that's more powerful than going in and, and shaking somebody's hand and building that relationship. And sure. some people just like that. Some people just feel comfortable with that, you know, and they don't right. want to change. I don't see that going away. Yeah. And with COVID and with the new world we're in now, I think people are even more uncertain. So they need that consultant. They need somebody, you know, to help them be comfortable with what they're doing and help them with change. And I think that's where, where our sales partners really excel. And, and, you know, we value them so much for that. We, we were like, I talked to you, that was 10 years ago where, where <laughs> you started writing business with us right. and I was recruiting agents. Right. Believe me, without the agents, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. Today. Oh, for sure. You know, that's that's where it all comes from. So. Yep, absolutely. So, all right, good. Well, this is so such interesting info. And so I got to switch gears here because we have to talk about a really hot topic right now, which of course is cash discounting. Um, and I think it's so interesting because it, you know, in the context of this conversation, it just so happens it's like the one thing that Square doesn't do at all that we can do. <laughs> so I'm really curious, you know, you, you have so much, uh, you know, you get all this feedback from uh, agents and things. I know you guys have your edge program. So, I really have kind of a two-part question. I guess, first of all, talk to us a little bit about the rationale of competing with Square from the context of cash discounting. But also, I'm just curious from the feedback that you get, you know, um, how big of a deal is this? You know, how you know how important is this as like a tool in our tool belt for competing against Square to have this cash discount concept available to us? So I think with where they price things before and the change that that's, that that's cause to merchants, especially small ticket merchants, right. I don't think it's ever been more important because there's, you can't just continue to lower costs if your cost of goods doesn't change, right? Right. Our agents won't make money. We won't make money. So, so this is a creative way to get the merchants, you know, essentially ahead of where they were before and retaining more of the margin on these credit card transactions uh, while still profiting for the sales partner and profiting for us. I, I literally... I don't think it's ever been more important than it is right now, right? Because of that fact. So I think that is, that is the first piece. Uh, and that applies to Square and it also applies to other solutions that are out there. And, and I think it relates back to what you're saying about the sales partners too. This is a new concept, right? Everybody says, save two basis points, save three basis points. A merchant's heard that a hundred times, a thousand right. times. They probably heard it 10 times a day or a week, right? From the visits that they get. This concept is a little foreign and you need somebody to walk through it. And that's why our sales force who's, you know, on site or talking over the phone to merchants that they have a relationship with has been so successful because they have that trust. But yep. for us, we see this as, you know, we see this as one of the most important things going forward in the new f near future. And you tack it along with getting them their money faster with same day funding. You know, you tack it along with, giving them the right POS solution that has the right features that they need. And then you give them service and support from us and the agents. We don't see how square competes with that. So yeah. we're, we're excited from that perspective. Um, outside of that, I think COVID brings even more opportunity. You know, they're one of, one of the big, you know, objections that our partners would run into in the past is I just don't know if my customer customers are comfortable with it. I don't know what it's going to do to my sales. Right. right. And that's a fair question. I had that question in the beginning, yeah, right? For sure. yep, I'm a consumer <laughs> now and it, it's part of every day, right? Yep. But post COVID, I mean, consumers are more willing than ever to do whatever they possibly can to help 
their mom and pops and help their local businesses and help people keep moving forward. Right. And this is one more way that they can do that. It's, it's a positive outcome. If, you know, it's something that we didn't expect. This is a terrible situation. And I'd say it's one of the few things that has brought opportunity for everyone out of it. So I I think the focus is there now more than ever. Um, I think anybody who's not selling it to new merchants is probably limiting their income potential. I think anybody who's not presenting it to their existing merchants, someone else is, right? right? So I think it's important right. that they that they know that it's out there and they know they have the option. Um, I think we're going to see it continue to grow. Yeah, and you make such a good point too. I hope uh, I hope that the you know individual agents, especially listening, caught that. And that is, you know, even if you say, "Well, I don't think my existing book of business wants cash discounting or, or surcharging or whatever it is that you're selling," these concepts are being presented to your merchants. And so, right. you know, it, it's it's funny, uh, Ryan. It reminds me of like the merchant cash advance in some ways, where you know, I, I remember I had an account actually with NAB. This is like you know ten years ago or whatever it was. And uh, it was a very large account. It was a pizza place um, that had several locations. And uh, I went in and talked to, you know, they, they canceled the account. You know, I saw that, okay, I'm losing this account. I go to talk to the owner and they said, well, we had to switch because we got a merchant cash advance and they required us to switch to their provider. And I'm like, we do merchant cash advance. <laughs> and he's like, well, you never told me that, you know? And it's like, stink. You know, I can't believe I just lost this. You know, I, first of all, I lost a merchant account. But secondly, I could have made three or four grand in commission off the merchant cash advance, um, all because I didn't even let them know. And I think there maybe is a lot of agents out there that are about to have that same negative experience where it's like, my merchant just canceled to go with somebody else to do cash discounting. And so not only did I lose an account that was already profitable, I could have converted it to one that's even more profitable. Right. Right. Yeah. And you don't, you don't know, you know, you can't control, you can't control what you don't know, but these merchants too, it's not even that they're not loyal. They don't have time to make six calls and to check in with you and ask to be sure that you've got that service they need that somebody else is showing value with. Right. Just put them in front, put it in front of them. Right. Make sure they know it's there so that they do call you and they do call you before they move forward and you get that, you get that at bat to keep them. So yeah, it's not, it's not going away. It's not, uh, it's not something that uh, other people aren't going to be talking about. So do them, do them the service and do yourself the service of just making sure they're aware. You know, that's all we can say. Yep. Okay. So last question for you, Ryan, I'm going to just totally switch gears out of left field here. So um, I was thinking about this conversation and I'm like, what, what value do I want to get from this conversation for our audience? And, you know, you've really been in a unique position to work personally with dozens of recruiters, team builders, and, you know, we have a lot of those individuals listening right now. And so what I would love is, do you have maybe one or two tips, something that you would want to share with these individuals that are building a team of merchant services reps, maybe as a recruiter, maybe as a small ISO owner? Um, what have you seen that really sets people apart that are really successful at this versus those who, who fail? What would you say is uh, maybe a tip or two you could share with them? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think everybody's got to really be patient, you know, with, with where the world is now and a lot of people moving to the phones that might've been face-to-face before right. or, or moving to face-to-face environments that are a little more uncomfortable where some people are sticking their hands out to shake and other people are lifting up their foot to touch them, you know? So <laughs> it's, it's a right. new world. Be patient, you know, be, be in a position to consult, be in a position to add value. No matter if you're working with a sub agent or you're working with a merchant, you might've heard that same question 10 times today, but it's new to everybody. Right. So right. I think the more that you can be patient and the more you can find some type of value to add, you know, 
you and the other folks that I've seen in the past recruit strong teams, they're adding value. They're not just saying, here's an application. Here's the one terminal we have. Go sell this and then I'll pay you, right? That doesn't work. So, you know, mentor them, go with them, help them on those calls, help them see what you've done in the past that's worked. Make sure you're providing training, make sure you're providing opportunities to see new solutions that they haven't seen before. You know, POS is one of those spots that I almost feel like it's as important as cash discount. You know, there were, yeah, there's a lot of portfolios that have been built for many years on dumb terminals and saving a few bucks. And that's just, that's just not it anymore. Cash discount takes saving a few bucks to a whole nother level. And a lot of these POS solutions, merchants want things that can make their life easier and give them less tasks and handle their payroll and market to their merchants and bring them more revenue, right? And bring them more sales. We, we built a team called the POS pros here. That they're all W2 employees. They're on staff, just like customer service and tech support are on staff. But all they do is help our agents resell POS because agents came and said, Hey, there's a thousand different hospitality solutions, right, or right. there's, you know, these 60 solutions that are the best in retail. Right. But I can't become the experts, all of those and nobody can. Right. So we, we have our own solutions. We've got six or seven third party solutions that we have relationships with and we know really well. And these POS pros guys, all they do are take the leads from agents who say, Hey, this merchant, they need a new POS or they need more than a terminal can do, or they're on this one and they need to transition help. And yep. the POS pros will either work that lead all alone and go through and get the merchant's needs and demo the merchant's needs and show them one or two solutions that make sense, close that account, get the paperwork, do all of it. And we still pay the partner just like they went out and found that deal themselves. Or they'll do that whole process with the partner involved for the partners that want to learn and want to do it themselves the next time. That's what I'm talking about when I say be patient and give them some value. You know, if you can, if you can find a sub agent or somebody that's on your team and it's going to sell for you and empower them to go out and close merchants that are using these three POS systems that they never could sell before right. or that have those type of needs, that's value. They're going to come back to you, right? And they're going to help bring you more deals, which is good for everybody. That was an investment that was a no-brainer for us. You know, we'll, we'll spend that money. We'll sink that cost. We'll pay those deals just like we would if the agent went out and did it all themselves because those deals are more valuable. Right. There's value to the merchant. They're not as price sensitive. They're not, they're not transitioning everything tomorrow because they see value in what they have. You know, that's, that's a long answer, but, but that's an example of adding value that we've seen really help and really help get better quality deals. Yeah, so true. So true. You got to add value. I think I think you make such a good point. You know, a lot of a lot of people are trying to recruit a team based on just, hey, we have this great opportunity, you know, come make money with us. But, you know, it's really I think you got to get to a point where you say, you know, I have something that I can give back. I, I want to I really sincerely want to help people. I want to help them make more money. I want to train them. I want to give them resources. Maybe maybe you're listening and you you have a great, you know, Facebook marketing strategy that generates merchant leads. OK, cool. Can you scale that up? Up. You know, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, to your point, Ryan, I think you've you got to add value. Otherwise, uh, you're just wasting your time. You, you you know, it's really not that hard to recruit a lot of people. Um, it's just really hard to get them to sell. <laughs> so that's always the challenge. Agreed. And, yep. and to keep them. Yeah, and to keep them. Yes. Once they start selling, you got to keep them on your team. Right, so. right. Yep. Ryan, such, such great information. I know we could talk for a lot longer, but we'll let you get back to your day. So before you go, though, uh, I know a lot of our listeners will want to learn more about you and about North American Bank Card and the opportunities that you discussed today. So where would you send them to learn more? 
Um, thanks. Thanks you guys. I appreciate it. Um, good talk. Happy, happy to do it and appreciate the opportunity, but, uh, yeah, if anybody ever wants to call me, um, 248-872-6911. Uh, that's myself, 248-872-6911. That's the fastest way to get me. Uh, if I'm, if I'm on the phone, shoot me a text. I can, I can respond to that pretty quick or give me a call. If you want to check things out on the internet, you want to see what the programs are, you go to gonab.com and you can take a look at what we have to offer there to fill out an inquiry form. And, uh, one of the business development directors will reach out and kind of walk through the program with you. So it is, uh, um, again, a big thanks from my side to you guys. I know that, you know, you're helping educate our industry and you're helping partners grow their portfolio, which is what it's all about. Um, so that's awesome. But uh, we're just excited. We're, we're excited to see the country continue to reopen. We're excited to see where things go. And again, just appreciate the time. Awesome. Oh, thank you. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Have an awesome day. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. All right, Patty. So it seems like the theme of our episode today so far has been cash discounting uh, to some yes. extent, right? And yes, so exactly. uh, a common theme. So I thought we might as well continue that. And so I actually it worked out really great because Ryan made a point in his interview earlier that really set this up beautifully. Um, I wanted to talk about what I actually believe is the biggest opportunity in merchant sales for the next 12 months. Um, okay. And so I've been talking a lot about contactless. And while I do believe that contactless is a huge opportunity to start a conversation with a merchant. I actually mm -hmm. don't think it's going to be the number one way that agents and ISOs make money during the next 12 months. Um, no, I agree. Yeah, you know, sure. It's a door opener. Um, right. But I think that the number one opportunity is we, we have these two topics that for some reason have just become disconnected and that is cash discounting. Everybody's like, that's a great opportunity. And mm -hmm. then it's like point of sale systems and integrated payments. That's a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, in the next 12 months, these two things are going to come together. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. They, they've already come together to some extent. We heard Ryan talking about their solutions today. There mm -hmm. are many, many, many others who are starting to integrate these these systems. But here's the real key, and it goes back to another topic that that's like a, a huge passion of mine, and that is use of capital. Um, you know, I think from our previous conversations that I believe our industry is, <clears throat> generally speaking, terrible at leveraging capital. Um, oh, I agree. yeah, we, you know, we've talked about that. Yes. yes, it's like our industry is so like almost like drunk on this idea of like you know free money and just pay the 1099 contractor when they make a sale and you know let's mm -hmm. lower our cost of acquisition that they don't seem to recognize there are situations where you can have a much higher cost of acquisition to get an account, but mm -hmm. then the return on investment is so much massively higher and the retention is so much better. Right. So I think what we're going to see, and, and it's interesting, I, I won't give a name out, but it's somebody who has been interviewed on this podcast now, I think at least once or twice, that, uh -huh. that has a business specifically predicated on what I'm about to say, that his business has become unbelievably valuable and you know venture capital and all these things. Um, it's so interesting because we interviewed him back when he was getting started. But the idea here is leveraging cash discounting future profits to pay for advanced point of sale technology up front. Uh-huh, uh-huh, excellent right? idea, right? So sure. it's like going into these businesses where you want to sell a big restaurant, you want to sell a big pizza shop, you want to sell retail, whatever it is, and you say, you know, I want to give you a future-proof POS system that costs 
$4,000, $6,000, $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. And you say, you have to sign a five-year agreement, you know? Okay. And yeah. the five-year agreement is on a cash discount deal. Right. So you now have this deal, you're going to literally make, let's say the margin on the accounts, $800 a month, which is not like a crazy amount. That's fairly no. standard for a decent sized business. You pay the terminal off in six months, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you've got your 800 bucks coming in, you have them locked into a five-year agreement with a, you know, even a liquidated damages, uh, early termination fee or some kind of larger contract, you know, term or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you've got them locked in and it's a no brainer and it kind of gives, you know, it takes the money out of the equation. I mean, you know, obviously there's still a lot of other considerations as far as, you know, choosing the right system, getting it installed, providing support, all of that. Um, sure. But I think this concept of leveraging cash discounting for um, POS and then again, that, that that's going to come together as more mm -hmm. and more point of sale providers and ISVs start to integrate this concept within it. But it's it's just an amazing like whole concept to me that it's like, wow, it's going to be so cool over the next 12 months. Like this isn't even this is a prediction, I guess, but it's a prediction. I know I just know I'm right. I, I'm not I'm not even like. I'm not even worried about it. I know I'm right. 12 well, months yeah, from now. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's almost a no brainer, right? I mean, it's like 12 months from now, you're going to see so many ISVs that have cash discounting available. And mm -hmm. you talk about a difficult account to flip, try oh, to yes. try to flip a merchant that has a specific and, uh, you know, vertical specific ISV solution with cash mm -hmm. discounting. Not going to happen. How do you flip that account? What are you going to offer them? You, you know, right. I mean, there's nothing left. So right. to me, that is, it's, it's awesome. Cause it's not like a race to the bottom. It's like a race to the top. Sure. You know, sure. it's like literally who wants to climb that mountain first in each vertical. Like, like there is literally going to be somebody that is going to sell uh, pizza shops on what I just said. Mm -hmm. They're going to find mm -hmm. one POS, you know, there's an ISV listening right now, or an ISO listening right now. That's going to contact an ISV that has a POS for pizza shops. Right. They're going to work with them to get cash discounting implemented. They're mm -hmm. going to then raise capital. They're going to get two million in capital, and they're going to go to their agent team and say, "We're going to sell every pizza shop that in, in you know in the U.S. that we can get in contact with by saying we're going to give you a twelve thousand dollar POS system for free if you sign a five year cash discounting contract." Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. going to go nuts with that, and they are going to build a portfolio. There is an ISO listening right now that is going to build that portfolio, and that portfolio will have less than five percent annual attrition. It right. will have average margins of $700 plus a month per merchant account. Like, like that is going to happen. And, and the thing is, if you are one of these poor individuals that has a VX520 doing regular or cash discounting for one of these pizza shops that gets approached by that deal whenever it happens, you're going to lose your account. Yeah. There's yeah. no question about it. They're, right. they're not right. that loyal to you. You're going to lose. Like yeah. you're, you're already like you lost, it's over. So yeah. I think that the sooner that agents start to, and ISOs really more specifically, but as soon as agents and ISOs start to like understand this reality, like I literally believe that that's going to have, we're going to see a shift over the next 12 months. You know, these things always take a while. I mean, it's going to be five years before this really plays out completely. Yeah, but I think you're going to see some big some big players trying it in the next 12 months. I think that's what you're yep. saying, right? So yeah, that's where it's going to come out. Yeah, you're going to see big players trying it, and I think certain ISOs are going to finally realize that, you know, it's, it's almost like, seriously, there's so many ISOs right now that are, they make so much money every year, and they don't want to ever raise capital because they don't need to. They're, you know, positive cash flow, and it's like, we don't want to raise capital some of these ISOs are going to either say, okay, we're willing to lose money or not make very much money the next two years, or we're going to go raise $4 million in capital 
you know, to fund this program because this is an expensive program. You know, you literally sure. it's going to it's, it's going to go from like, you know, you have your average cost per sale is, you know, a two hundred dollar upfront bonus or something like that. It's going right. to go from an average of two hundred to an average of four thousand, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like, mm -hmm. wow, you, you know, try selling, you know, three hundred accounts a month like that. That's super, super expensive. So you're right. going to burn a lot of capital. But it's like, you know, it's not hard to find capital when you're locking people into a five year contract term that guarantees you eight hundred dollars a month in profit. Right. Right. You and know what imagine I mean? what that guarantees the ISO. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, and it's like, I mean, in terms of like the whole universe, you right? Right. I mean, right. Like thousand eight hundred a month with, uh, you know, a uh, thousand merchants, not unheard of right. nationwide. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, and I think I think the bottom line is for those that just believe in basic economic principles, you know, there's a few things here that if you think logically about it, you'll agree with me. And that is, you know, do you believe that five years from today, there will be more merchants with cash discounting than there is today? Yes, mm -hmm. no doubt. No, no question. You know, maybe you say, well, no, it's going to go to compliance surcharging. Whatever. That's fine. Doesn't matter. Same thing. Same so thing. or you say five years from now, there are going to be a lot more merchants, a much higher percentage that have a vertical specific, you know, POS solution. Mm -hmm. Duh. I mean, is there anybody listening that seriously does not think that that's the case? If so, yeah. you have no idea what you're talking about. So obviously that's the case. So you, all you have to do is look at those two trends and put them together. It's a no brainer. Right. You know, yeah. this yeah. is a potentially massive amount of profit. I mean, this is like hundreds of millions a month type of profit. You know, look at the entire economy that is sitting out there waiting for somebody to go get it. Mm -hmm. And the only thing standing between you and that money is the capital. Right. So that's not that's a solvable problem. Somebody out there is going to raise the capital to do this. Oh yeah. In every yeah. vertical. And so the question is, it's a race. It's a race to the top. Who's going to get there first? And once yeah. once you have that, once they, it's you have a technology solution integrated specific to that vertical that does cash discounting and eliminates the fees, there is absolutely no weakness. Yeah, nothing. You're golden. So I think that's just one of those things where if you didn't already figure it out, um, hopefully you just did because it's super obvious. And yeah. I hope that you're considering that when you're making your strategies. I think, I think that's excellent advice. Thank you, James. Thanks, buddy. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. Okay, so you know the war on interchange continues uh, with fresh ammunition, to use a pun, um, from the coronavirus. Okay. Uh, I saw this article in the Wall Street Journal on June 21st, and it kind of illustrates it. It tells the tale of a specialty coffee shop in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, the owner of the shop revealed to the reporter, at, you know, the journal reporter, and this just blew my mind. He paid more in card processing fees last year, $18,645, than he did for coffee beans, which he paid $12,800. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah, that, know, that had, and, I can't remember what the headline of that story was, but I remember it was very catchy. I had to look at it, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was something like small business, you know, double whammy, something right, like that, right? Right, right, right. And, uh, and I thought it was interesting. The reporter wrote, uh, this store is a microcosm of tension sparked by the growing and largely hidden interchange economy. Now, it cites some data from the Federal Reserve, but it's a little bit dated. It goes, this data from the Fed, I think, is like 2010, 2012. 
uh, indicating that cash-using households are supplementing card-paying households to the tune of about $1,100 a year in the form of higher prices. Mm. Wow. Okay? Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, it's kind of like a, a reverse Robin Hood, right? Um, <laughs> taking from the poor and giving to the rich. Yeah. Actually, I stole that from the Brookings Institute. They uh, one time referred to it as really? that way. But, but uh, you know, some interesting data came out of this article. Merchants paid issuers uh, $53.6 billion in uh, interchange fees in 2019, which is more than double what they paid in 2012. <sighs> Wow, really? That is a huge number. So in seven years, they doubled how much interchange. Now, mind mind you, some of that growth is from the fact that people are making more payments with cards, oh, right? Okay, yeah, all right, sure. Okay, so yeah. like, uh, I think they said uh, actual payments were up around 50 or 60% over that seven-year period. And wow. again, that was a seven-year period where the economy was going gangbusters, right? right? But, you know, it, the, the couple of things about this that I think are just so interesting. Um, you know, number one, can't we all agree that it is now less expensive than it was seven years ago to move money electronically? Thank you very much. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Like, and I and think it the, will only become less expensive as time goes on. I mean, right. we hear a lot of talk about real-time payments, right? Right. Well, if real-time payments come into play, yeah, it's going to be even less expensive. Right. And I'm sure they're right? going to have a dramatic reduction in interchange fees as a result. <laughs> as a result of that. Oh, I could see that happening. You know, sure. I mean, especially because uh, a lot of the large merchants, you know, the Walmarts and the Targets right, right, and Costco's right. of the world, you know, they're chomping at the bit for the Fed to have right. more, you know, real-time Well, Well, and I think, my, I think my point is, I think that the card brands will not voluntarily lower interchange as a result. It'll probably be, you'll see two articles that'll come out. Real-time payments cut the cost of payment processing in half. And then the next article will read, Visa announced its latest price increase on interchange fees. <laughs> right, right. I know, exactly. Uh, but, uh, so. you know, I mean, it is it, it, it is a big a big issue. But this is the... This is the um, the thing I thought was really interesting, from my perspective at least, that, um, you know, we talk a lot, and we just talked with uh, Ryan about this, about the idea that cash discounting is such a great deal for merchants. Right. But it's also a great deal for, for consumers. Uh, you're making my point now, Patty. This is good. Yeah. I mean, isn't it? I mean, I mean, it looks at me, it's like, um, you know, to me... I, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I don't want to, you know, my merchants are afraid that their customers aren't going to like it. Well, which customers aren't going to like it? You know, as to Ryan's point in his interview, you know, a lot of us really want to help small merchants. So we're not, right. not a, you know, we're not averse to paying a little bit more. And on the other hand, we have all these cash paying customers. I mean, we have to remember According to the FDIC, there are about 9 million households in the U.S. that don't have credit cards. Um, they pay with cash. Right. And if, if, if the merchants are allowed to, you know, pass along the cost of, of, uh, of processing, whether that be through cash discounting or surcharging, that means that the cash paying people aren't paying higher prices, to which, the, you know, merchants right. are having to um, institute yeah. to cover their costs. 
Yeah, right? and see, and see, Patty, it's this exact point is you're really hitting home on such an important topic. It's something I actually literally today, right before this recording, I was finishing up a new course I'm doing for a consulting client on how to sell cash discounting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I talk about in there is this concept that cash discounting is the best thing for the ISO. It's the best thing for um, the agent. It's the best thing for the merchant, but it's the best thing for the consumer. Yes. And people just, they, they cannot seem to wrap their mind around the fact that it just does not make sense. You know, they don't seem to understand the benefits that cards provide, both from convenience and from just pure convenience of actual reward points and things like that. And right. I think everybody is so fixated on the fact that cash discounting is generally at 4% or 3.99%. And they're like, well, that's more than the rewards. Okay, then sell cash discounting at 3%. Right. Then sell it at 275. Like, whatever. It's just, I mean, if you don't want to make as much money as everybody else, that's fine. Like, go right. for it. It's, it's inevitable anyway. You're going to have the race at the bottom eventually. You might as well start it if, you, if that's what you're so passionate about. I'm not going to sure. start it. But the, the truth is that, you know, no matter where you put it at, there, to your point, there is a humongous benefit that consumers that have reward cards are getting. Right. And you could say, well, who is paying for them to have that? Well, you could say merchants are paying for it, but that's actually not true. No. Merchants are raising their prices to pay for it. Consumers exactly. are paying for it. Exactly. So it's cash consumers and check paying consumers. They are paying more so that credit card credit card payment consumers can get more. Can get, can get more. Exactly. Another right. reverse Robin Hood, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who are big into rewards cards. So I got to use this card because this is the best right. rewards I have. Personally, I'm not real big in the rewards. It's not, right. a, you know, it's not a right. super big deal to me. Right. But I am a kind of person, and maybe it's a generational thing. I almost always have cash on me. Right. So, right. you know, for me, paying with cash is, is convenient sometimes. Right. And and particularly if I'm going to get a lower price, yeah, I'm going to pay with cash. Sure. Sure. So I'm I think it's happy about it. Yeah, I think it's such a good point. And I think, um, you know, that data is just is just really staggering. That really kind of puts it into perspective. And you look at double the interchange over seven years. That's pretty crazy. Double the interchange in seven years. And most of that money is going to the rewards people. Yeah. You know, so. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Really interesting stuff, Patty. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com, and we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.